1: You are locked on Packers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnPackers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find LockedOnPackers, the number one Packers podcast on the Internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Some news today to get to, some free agency, and also it is Mock Draft Monday, and that's where I want to start today's show. It sounds like, and we talked about this last week, the NFL draft is going ahead as planned, which means the Packers and every team are going to have to figure out how they're going to structure this thing. Are they going to use Zoom? Are they going to use Google Chat? All the, all the, the machinations of it are going to create some different barriers To a normal process. It's not going to be a normal process. And one of the things that a lot of teams will do is they will set players up, not just in rankings. You're not just going to have a big board and that's it. Is a lot of teams, or just as an exercise, when you're trying to put the board together, you will put players in tiers. And the tiers, are there to be demarcating lines from one group of players to another because it's not enough to just say, okay, this player is 14th and this player is 16th. When it comes to ranking players, those lines can be arbitrary because there may be five really good blue-chip players in this draft and then you have the sixth best player and they could be, 40% 40% worse than those other guys. They could be significantly inferior in some way. And, and it just so happens that the rest of the people, six and below, are somewhere closer together than that first five. Being sixth does not mean that you're close to five. So having these tiers can be a useful way to look at the draft. And it allows you to say, okay, if we get a player in our tier, in the highest tier possible, any player, then we can take him. And this is why it was so important for the Packers in free agency to go out and make some signings. When you sign players and you sign them at positions of need, you go out and you get an offensive tackle, you get a linebacker, you get a receiver, and you fill your three biggest, most glaring and impactful needs, that allows you to go into the draft and say, who are the most impactful players I can draft, irrespective of position? That flexibility allows you not to reach. It gives you the chance to say, okay, well, if there is a linebacker in the draft that normally you wouldn't like as much because, you know, you, you need a receiver, you need an offensive tackle, whatever it is. But if you think that linebacker is really, really good and you don't think the, the receiver or the offensive tackle is, it makes it easier when you've gone out in free agency and you've signed some players that whoever you draft is not going to go out and have to start right away. And that's the position the Packers find themselves in currently. In terms of everyday starters, there really aren't any questions on this team. They have a plan at every spot. Now, the one exception right now is slot corner. Because Tremont Williams is not back with the team, is it going to be Chandon Sullivan? Is it going to be Josh Jackson? Is it going to be some, some conglomeration of guys? Are they going to move Jair Alexander into the slot in nickel situations? I think that's something that is worth considering, especially if a number one receiver, for example, is going to move into the slot. But the reason this is important for the Packers is if your starting lineups are taken care of, if whoever you draft at 30 or at 62 or wherever is unlikely to start, it allows you some leeway. It allows you some leeway, number one, to worry less about year one impact because this player is probably not going to play heavy snaps anyway. Remember, most rookies are not good, and most rookies are not good in year one. So this is just the reality. And that means the Packers can use these tiers – To say, okay, if I'm weighing an offensive tackle versus a linebacker, I can just pick the player who plays the position that I think is going to be most impactful in the short and long run. And for the Packers, as we sit here, my estimation of it is receiver, offensive tackle, linebacker. And I've made my position on this pretty clear. I think at 30, it's receiver, offensive tackle, linebacker, or trade down. I think that is the situation the Packers find themselves in. So what I did was... I looked at a a board that I created, and I put these players in tiers. And then I ran a simulation using the Draft Network Mock Draft Simulator to try and figure out how often the players that I most wanted would be available in the draft. And so my Tier 1 was LSU receiver Justin Jefferson – and Houston offensive tackle Josh Jones. Those are the two players who I think could come in with the Packers and make the most impact. And in the simulations that I ran, I ran 10 of them, Justin Jefferson was gone in every single simulation. So what does this tell us? Well, if the NFL draft goes that direction, and if we think this is a reasonable proxy, we just have to think it's reasonable. We don't have to think it's dead on. It is pretty unlikely then that Justin Jefferson is there for the Packers at 30. So while he may be high on our wish lists, and for me when I'm looking at fits for the Packers, he is number one, it is unlikely, it seems, that he would fall. Josh Jones, on the other hand, fell in three of the ten simulations, went earlier in, every, in the seven other ones. A 30% chance that Josh Jones falls. That feels right to me. In terms of where I think he could go and the chances that he becomes a Packer. Now, tier two is Boise State offensive tackle Ezra Cleveland and Wisconsin linebacker Zach Bond. Now, Ezra Cleveland was the most matched player that I got in this simulation. Now, it's part of it is because I'm higher on him than most people are. I was able to draft him in six of my 10 simulations. I think it is more likely than not, so 60% chance. I think there is a better-than-not chance Ezra Cleveland is on the board for the Packers at 30. If it were me, I would take him because I think of the guys that we've mentioned, he is the best player that they could draft at that spot. Now, there are a bunch of players after him who were gone when the Packers picked. Zach Bond was gone in eight out of my ten drafts. Kenneth Murray was gone in eight out of my ten drafts. Xavier McKinney was gone in all 10. Patrick Queen was gone in 4 of 10. And Denzel Mims was gone, a popular Packer name, in 9 of 10. There are going to be a lot of good players that Packer fans want who are going to go before the Packers have a chance to pick. Now trying to suss out who that could be is going to affect your draft strategy. Who are the players you're targeting? Who are the players you think you can get later? So the only two players who were gone in every scenario were Justin Jefferson and Xavier McKinney. So if you're the Packers and you're looking at these names, you're going, all right, pretty much any other name on this list I feel like I have a chance at, some level of chance at. But it's pretty unlikely that any of the linebackers are going to be there. And it's pretty unlikely that Justin Jefferson and Denzel Mims are going to be there. So then who are you left with? Well, at receiver, you're left with... Michael Pittman Jr. and Brandon Ayuk because Jalen Rager and and T. Higgins are unlikely to be in the mix for the Packers. They're not even in my tiers because I don't think the Packers are going to be interested in them. Not athletic enough. Don't change directions well enough. A a number of reasons why I don't think they're going to be. And they're receivers. So first round pick. If it's going to be a receiver, I think it has to be someone who fits what they like. If it were me, I'm fine with Pittman or Ayuk. Now those guys also represent potential trade down candidates. You can move back, and let's say they really like Ayuk and Pittman, and they get there at 30. Well, who after them is going to take one? 49ers might, depending on who they take at the top of the draft with the Colts pick. Chiefs probably not going to. The Bengals could at 33, and then you're you're starting to get into some teams at the top of the second round who could be interested in receivers. So how far are you moving back? I would be fine at 30 with Ayuk or Pittman, And I know wanting an offensive lineman or picking an offensive lineman, as it is in this case, is not the sexy pick. It's not the thing that a lot of fans are going to want. They want the receiver. And I understand that. And I have been the person on this show saying I think that there is a a deep tackle class as well and that the receivers are – there's a drop-off after 50. Now, if you think that Pittman, Ayuk – uh, Lavisca Chenault, Let's say that that the Packers are are going to overlook the injury problems and they're going to overlook the lack of testing. Maybe they think someone falls to the second round. I don't think Michael Pittman is going to fall. I don't think Brandon Ayuk is going to fall. And if you're comfortable with the linebackers in the middle rounds, let's say, you know, maybe you trade back up, and and maybe you sit there at thirty. And if you don't love Ezra Cleveland, you're one of those people that does not love Cleveland. You trade back, you gain picks, you take whoever, and then you move back up if you have to. If it were me, I'm taking Cleveland and not worrying about it. But there are other players to consider. And I would consider a Michael Pittman Jr. I would consider a Brandon Ayuk because of... The fact that I think in the second round, you can still get a really good tackle. I still think someone like Prince Teguinago is going to be there. I still think someone like Jack Driscoll could be there, who's still going off the boards in these mock drafts in the fourth round. I think he's a much better player than that. So I'm looking at this and trying to figure out where I can find value. The Packers are doing the same thing, as are a lot of teams. They're trying to figure out how this board is going to go. They look at mock drafts, too. And because they want to figure out, okay, who's going to be, who's likely to be there. All of this stuff is important information, not just as you try and set draft boards, but as you try and put together a strategy. Where is the value? I think the value at receiver is early, early. So if you can get one of these top guys in the first round, you do it. And so, so let me just let me just put a finer point on it with the receiver part here. I have eleven receivers in my top 50, 11. And so that means there after that, you're looking at Brian Edwards, who's hurt, Donovan Peoples Jones, Tyler Johnson, Van Jefferson. These are the players. They're not the front line guys. How many are going to go before 62? So if you think 5 or 6 are going to go in the first round, then you're looking at 5 more and you may get be sitting there at 62, and you don't have someone to take. So I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, okay, uh, Brandon Ayuk, for me, a top 32 player. Michael Pittman, a top 30 player. You have KJ Hamler, 37 for me right now. Denzel Mims, top 40. You want to get one of these guys because after that, the drop-off is significant. Now, I would have Brian Edwards in my top 50 if he weren't hurt. He's a top 50 player, but he's hurt. And that adds risk to all of this. So, if I'm the Packers, and what I really want to come away with in this draft is a receiver, and I would I would be on board with that. I understand that. And you don't love the guys at 30, then you trade down. You do the Jordy Nelson, and then you take one of these guys. You take Pittman. You take IU. Maybe you take Edwards. You take Chenault. You take even Claypool, and you you bank on the developmental process. I think that's a reasonable thing to do. I'm happy to sit at 30 and take Pittman. That's me. I'm I'm different than a lot of people. I'm happy to sit at 30 and take Jalen Rager. I just don't think Green Bay will be. So there's a lot at play here. The fact that there is so much less testing now and so much less follow-up, I think Green Bay, if anything, is going to stick closer to their profile such as they can because they're going to feel better about that information And you're going to see them go a little bit outside of of the mainstream because of their desire to stick with their preferences.
2: Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better.
1: One of the positions that is a common mock draft spot for the Packers is defensive line. And there are a lot of fans out there that want the Packers to use a first-round pick on a defensive lineman. I've made my position on that pretty clear, and I don't I don't think we need to rehash it. But I, I did think that at some point they would look in free agency on the cheap to, to bolster the defensive front in some way, shape, or form. I thought someone like Shelby Harris, if they were going to be inexpensive, and he did turn out to be inexpensive. Derek Wolfe was someone who I thought Green Bay could have some interest in. He turned out to be inexpensive. Michael Brockers was a name that was, was put out there by Shale Kapadia over at The Athletic. He ended up getting more money in Baltimore. That deal fell apart. He goes back to L.A., and Green Bay has really not shown much interest at least reported interest in the defensive line market. Now, they did a lot in pre-draft work. The Combine, they talked to everyone, everyone on day two. And even into day three, they did heavy work on the defensive lineman. I think their, their desire is to draft one early. Now, someone like Snacks Harrison is still out there. And it would be very much in their M.O. or at least their M.O. this offseason to sign someone like Snacks Harrison to a small deal and go into the draft feeling like, okay, all of the spots where there were question marks, there are now veterans and you can draft whoever you want. I think you would feel more urgency to draft a defensive lineman on day two or whatever it is. I don't think day one is really in the cards. But you would feel more urgency to draft a defensive lineman if you didn't have someone like Snacks, if there wasn't a signing in the offing. And we don't know that there is or isn't. But if no signing is made before the draft, then I think it's more likely we see that day two or early day three defensive lineman draft pick. Now, they could also go through the draft, not find anyone and still sign Snacks Harrison because I do think that the coronavirus and the resulting travel restrictions and the the physical questions those are affecting players on the market certainly affecting Cam Newton. And Snacks Harrison is someone who's had some injuries and teams for an older player are going to want to get those medicals. They're going to want to look at okay, what's the situation? What kind of shape is he in? Where are his knees? Where are his ankles? Where are his hips? What is the situation for a player who's taken that much wear and tear and has been a really good player for a long time? Someone who relies on his explosiveness, his strength. How much left in the tank is there physically? The Packers or any team who wants to sign him would have to suss that part of it out. And that's going to be difficult when you can't travel. It may be. That it isn't until May that the Packers or any team has an opportunity to actually get their physical hands on him. And I mean literally. Get their hands on him, examine him, work him out, whatever it is, to figure out if he is still physically able to play. Packers might, might draft someone and still sign him after the draft. I don't think we should expect that they're definitely done. When players like that are still out there, these defensive linemen are not getting big deals. There were some defensive linemen who did, but there are plenty of guys, Shelby Harris, Dirk Wolf, two of the guys I mentioned. I don't think Snacks is going to get a big deal. There are players out there worth signing. Some of these defensive linemen deals honestly got crazy. I mean, the Michael Pierce deal was, was wild. Jordan Phillips got way too much money. I mean, some of these deals for players that Packer fans wanted because they thought they would be cheap turned out to be much more expensive than we would have predicted. And I think part of the reason the Packers have not been a bigger player in all of this is because they were just like, these guys just, they don't move the needle. And that's true. And if you draft someone in the third or the fourth round who is your run stuffer and your occasional penetrator, then, not a chew ad, then you have got some good value there. You're not paying them $8 million a year to just stop the run. That is madness. It's just not good team building. And it's not just my, I don't really care about stopping the run that much bias, which I will freely admit to having. And in my defense, I only believe that because it's less important than stopping the pass. But you, you still need bodies there. The Packers are going to either draft or sign or both someone along the defensive front. You'd rather it be someone who you think can be useful, duh, Snacks Harrison, if he's healthy, can be that guy. He's still out there. Now, there are still draft picks that are worth being made. Justin Matabuike, if he falls. There's Jordan Elliott. There's Neville Gallimore. Some of these guys, in round one, it's a hard no. I just don't like any of these players. Again, not one player in this draft do I think is worth taking in the first round on the defensive line. Plenty of guys I would take on day two and day three. So that's not to say do nothing. When when you know people get mad at me on Twitter about this. Oh, you you know you don't care about stopping the run, just do nothing then, right? No, don't do nothing. You can get a run stuffing defensive lineman, someone who is really only that. You can get him in the hundreds. Round 4, round 5, round 6. You can because that's where those guys go. Most of the players who go after the first round are flawed, and even a lot of the guys that are going to go in the first round are flawed. Derrick Brown is a run stuffer only. None of these guys are going to be good pass rushers. They're just not because they weren't in college, and they don't show the traits that suggest they're ever going to be anything more than just mediocre pocket-pushing pass rushers. That's what they are. Not pocket collapsers, not penetrators, not dominators. They're not that. None of these guys are that. So if what you need is a defensive lineman who can just give you 30%, 40% of snaps, stop the run on early downs, and give Kenny Clark a breather sometimes, you don't need a first-round pick for that. You don't. And also remember this, okay? The average NFL team is throwing it more than they're running it by a significant margin. I mean, it's 60-40 for most teams. And so if you are worrying about stopping the run, you are worrying about something that only happens 40% of the time and something that is happening even in bad situations at five yards a carry. Five yards an attempt, a play. Five yards a play. A bad passing offense averages six yards a play. It is more important that you stop the pass than stop the run. So if what you need to do is add an interior defender who can stop the run you can do that on the cheap with someone like Damon Harrison. You could have done it with Shelby Harris or Derek Wolf. I don't know why more teams were not in on those guys or would have bumped their price a little bit because they signed for pennies. Or in the middle of this draft, third round, fourth round, fifth round, you do what you did last year. You, you draft Kingsley Kiki. You draft someone in that range, someone in that mold. You churn the bottom of the roster, and you fix a problem that isn't actually that important but is still a problem that is needing Fixing.
0: David Harrison here, the Locked On Washington Football Team podcast, celebrating with you a twenty-one grain salute to a less boring sandwich, thanks to Dave's killer want organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your
1: local grocery store this episode is brought to you by wise progress is great isn't it people listen to music on record players, then tapes and CDs, and now you can stream music and podcasts. When technology moves forward, you move with it. Like with Wise, the modern way to move money internationally. It's smarter and simpler. They use new technologies, so when you send, spend, or convert money with Wise, you get a better exchange rate with lower fees. And over 30% of transfers arrive in less time than it takes to listen to this right now. Join over 10 million people and businesses, And try Wise for free at wise.com slash podcast. Let's finish up here. Uh, Jeronimo Allison over the weekend signed with the Detroit Lions. Uh, Another former Packers player who goes in the division. God, they love to sign former Packers. They just assume that this front office knows what it's doing because generally speaking, it does. What they don't seem to realize is when this front office knows what it's doing by releasing players, that, that that's just as important as when they bring them in. And I don't know what Jeronimo Allison is going to do for the Lions because he didn't do anything for the Packers last year except actively hurt them on offense. So if what you're doing is bringing in a guy to help you tank, then congratulations. I don't think that's what the Lions did. I think the Lions wanted another veteran, but I, he just was really bad last year, guys. Really, really bad. And... The Packers are better for not having him. They're really, I mean, to replace Devin Funches with Jeronimo Allison may not seem like a big upgrade, but but Jeronimo Allison was that bad. Even if the worst version of Devin Funches that we've seen over the last four years, obviously the guy who is, you know, non-collarbone injury guy, we can't expect that. He was healthy before that. Even the worst version of Devin Funches was better than the version of Jeronimo Allison the Packers got last year. And so they're gonna be a better group this year than they were last year. If if they do nothing else, and they're gonna draft someone, probably two people. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about some of the players that they could be interested in later, and, and we'll get to a lot of that. Their receiver draft depth chart right now is Devontae Adams, Alan Lazar, Devin Funches, and a lot of question marks. Where is that rookie gonna come in? Probably receiver four to start and and work his way up. We'll see where he can get. And they'll, they'll probably have two rookies that will be in that mix. And they'll take roster spots from some of these guys. Jake Kumaro, not a lock to make the team. MBS, not a lock to make the team. EQ, not a lock to make the team. And, you know, this is even Devin Funchess, not a lock to make the team, depending on how this all goes. So a lot to still be determined here. The Packers have to draft someone first. And, and that's something we're going to focus on as we move here toward the draft under a month and they'll be drafting players. Tomorrow we're going to look at the safety position because I don't think enough conversation has been had. That Part of that is my fault because we've wanted to talk about receivers and offensive tackles and linebackers, and I think all that is fair and reasonable, but it is a sneaky sleeper pick for the Packers early to address nickel corner and or third safety because with as much as Mike Patton plays sub-package, That nickel corner is going to be on the field 75% of the time. That nickel safety is going to be on the field 70% of the time. They want to play small, and you need defensive backs for that. If Shemont Williams is not going to be back, do you trust Chan and Sullivan? Is there an opportunity to upgrade from Raven Green or Ibrahim Campbell? And if there is, and you can bring someone in, a Jeremy Chin, a Kevon Wallace, uh, a Kyle Duggar, there are opportunities and players in this draft who can do a little bit of everything and can give you that opportunity. Can you bring someone in that lets Darnell Savage play in the slot a little bit? You can play some three safety big nickel and get wild if you want to. So we're going to talk about all of that tomorrow and it should be fun. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnPackers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find LockedOnPackers. Send me your questions. We're going to do some questions this week, some comments, a lot of stuff. I want to get to a lot of that as we move forward here with the draft, questions about free agency, all kinds of stuff coming up. So if you want to send me those questions, do that. Hit me up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.